pay a tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these Thank you for are choosing the things you should have done without neglecting the others. We hope you benefit from this message. In other message. words, do the things that God told you without neglecting these things. If you'd like to learn more about Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you like concealed tombs, and the people who walk over them are unaware of it. One of the lawyers said to him in reply, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. And he said, Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. I'm going to come back to this point in just a second, but I want to have you turn to Matthew 23, 5 through 7. Here Jesus is addressing the crowd in front of the Pharisees, and he's giving the crowd, his listeners, the non-Pharisees, the people whom the Pharisees burden, he's giving them instructions. So he's, he's pointing at the Pharisees and he's calling them out, and I'm starting at verse 5. But they, the Pharisees, they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats at the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. And I'm going to have you skip forward to verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Here's the point. Religious behavior is not the same thing as faith and obedience. They are two separate things. Religious behavior is not the same as faith and obedience. Nobody was ever called to be a Pharisee. God never called anyone to be a Pharisee. That is something that people did by mistake, in error, in sin. Religious behavior is not the same thing. It's not even necessarily an indication of faith and obedience. Did you have a question, buddy? Oh, okay. It's okay if you do, though. So what do we want to pray for, given that truth? We want to pray for authentic worship of the Father, submission to the Spirit, and obedience to Jesus' teaching. We want to think big, pray hard. We want to pray for authentic worship of the Father, submission to the Spirit, and obedience to Jesus' leading. Now, here's where I need to do some confession of my own.
or acknowledgement. I acknowledge that I am a traditionalist, and I really like some of the traditions in this church. I love the traditional music that we have here. I love the fact that there is not a single pane of clear glass in this whole area that we're sitting in. I love the wooden pews. I love listening to the piano. I love that kind of tradition. I thought it was really cool listening to the tradition that we had, or uh, the, the traditions that you all had in this church from when you were really small. That's neat to hear. That is the root of what makes a healthy community. But some of your traditions are weird. I'm just saying that as somebody who hasn't gone here my whole life. And, and I'm going to tell you what some of them are. <clears throat> just talking to the pastor while he's up here asking for prayer, that's weird. That's weird. Everybody knows that's not how you do it. Raising your hands when you sing, I'm not a member of the Happy Hands Club. That's weird. That's weird. To me, that's one step ahead of, of handling snakes. Modern praise music, and I've, 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 I've talked to Robin about this. I'm not a fan. I, I find modern praise music sort of like bubblegum pop music. I, I just I think it's shallow and silly, and 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 I I don't think it stacks up against. Yeah, right. Amen. God doesn't like it either. But even though I might think it, it's weird. My opinion, along with $4, will get you Emily's favorite drink at uh, Starbucks, a Vente Dragon Fruit Refresher with water. But it doesn't mean it's biblically accurate. Modern praise music is legitimate praise music because its intention is to praise God. What does God ask for from us? Praise and worship and adoration, as is his due as the creator of the universe. So the idea that it's junior varsity praise, sadly, doesn't hold water. And I'll also tell you that there is a much greater biblical warrant for raising your hands in praise and worship than there is for uh, my practice, which is to keep your hands politely folded on your lap. <laughs> You'll also find biblical precedent and warrant for corporate prayer, for saying, this is what I need prayer for. This is what's on my mind. This is what is troubling me. This is what makes me happy. This is what God did for me. There's more biblical warrant in that than not saying anything. It's not that God doesn't know what's on your mind, but he calls your brothers and sisters to pray for you. And while God is really good at reading minds, 
The rest of us aren't. And we don't know unless we share that information. Now, sometimes you might just want to share it one-on-one. Sometimes you'll share it with the group. Either way, that is a legitimate tradition. And one that we should cling to. Because it's right and it's biblical and it's proper. When a house of worship morphs into a house of tradition, it's no longer a church. It's a nice social gathering, but it's not worship. And so I acknowledge my love of tradition while affirming my commitment to worship. And say all of that because I want to make sure that what I think is religious behavior, sitting quietly with my hands on my lap, properly, with dignity and quiet, the way God likes it, right, doesn't cross the line from worship into religious behavior. That if the Holy Spirit moves us to adopt a new song canon, or to call out for healing, or to kneel because the Lord has has moved you to kneel while you pray, that these are good and biblical things, and that the people who are coming to us may bring those traditions from where they come from, and that those are no less pleasing or worshipful to God. I want us to keep that in mind because I don't know what the tradition of the new pastor is going to be. Hopefully he will come in here and see that um, traditional liturgical worship is a shared value in the church. But hopefully also the people who come here, who aren't here now, will influence us to worship God in a more complete and whole way. So that we're relying on worship as opposed to tradition to honor him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. We'll read a couple more verses here. Uh, Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for in the way you judge it will be judged to you. Verse 3, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, and do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And I'll have you turn to Ephesians 4.2. With all humility and gentleness, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up a half a verse. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Here's the key. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. I'll read that last part again. With humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. In other words, when in doubt, let it go. 
it's just not that big of a deal. This one isn't in your in your uh, in your bulletin, but I but I wrote it down here. Colossians three twelve through fourteen. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, let me stop here. Is that us? Are we chosen of God, holy and beloved? Yes. If you have Jesus, you have been chosen by God, and you are holy, and you are beloved. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. Say that again. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Point number three, God desires peace and unity in his church. That's what he wants, peace and unity in his church. We can't worship him properly if there's not peace and unity in our church because all of our energy is gone toward being mad at Adam or whomever. So we should pray for forgiveness and humility as we address conflict in our, in, in our congregation. We should have plank-free eyes before we start looking for dust specks elsewhere. Will we have conflict in our congregation? Well, yeah. We're people. We're fallen people. People have conflict. God designed the church knowing that there would be conflict. The nice thing about the church, though, is that he gives us a model in scripture for how to deal with that so that we are distinctive to those who are outside. So that we have a way which is not ordinary for dealing with conflict, namely bearing with one another and forgiving one another with patience and love and kindness and humility and gentleness. That's the difference between us and the outside. And to the extent that atheists are able to figure this out and do it, that's God's common grace. But we should be better than that, right? We should be better at that. That should be our default setting. Hang on. Why do I say this? Because change is coming to our church. And change brings conflict. But we have the opportunity the choice to handle it in a way that demonstrates the gospel. That's the opportunity that we are being given. This is Google at 10 bucks a share. <laughs> we have a way to handle that change and that conflict and those new ideas and those new things in a way that is gracious and magnanimous and in a manner that is befitting God's adopted daughters and sons. I said a little bit earlier that the church is on the cusp of great change. And I'll say again that we can choose to make that a positive experience or not. 
We can fight against change and find ourselves unhappy and divided and in conflict, or we can welcome it and meet it with glad hearts as a demonstration of our confidence in God's provision. That whatever is happening in the church preparatory to this new pastor coming and us getting things ready, that the change and the friction that naturally occurs is of God's design and that we will meet it gladly because we are confident that he knows what he's doing. We can meet with gratitude at being called to being a participant. God doesn't need our help. He's inviting us to help. Remember when your kids were really small and they wanted to help in the kitchen or they wanted to help you work on the car or they wanted to do that kind of stuff and you invited them along not because they were a lot of help but because you wanted them with you to spend time with you. That was the main thing. The activity was just an excuse to have that person close to you. That's what God does when he calls us to help. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our time. He doesn't need any of that. The whole world was created before we were here. He clearly doesn't need my Colstock's help. But he invites us to come because it's to bless us. The look on your kid's face when you say, come make cookies with grandma, that's what he's inviting us to do. Because we get to go make cookies with grandma. That is... That's his motivation. He wants us to come because he wants to bless us. He's inviting us to be blessed. Will we open our hands and say yes? Gratitude at being his participants and witnesses to his work in his local congregation. The stories that the stories that have been built inside the four walls of this building are amazing. 160-some years of history have been made inside this church. When this church was built, the Titanic hadn't sailed. World War I and World War II hadn't been fought. Lincoln was still alive. That's amazing to me. This church has seen a good piece of American history come and go outside its front door. And for those of you who are long-term members, what a privilege it must have been to watch that parade of history. When I drive past your, your, the, the, the cemetery over there, some of those headstones are older than the city itself. This is a history-making church, and God is saying, do you want to do it again? Do you want to see what I'm going to do in this local community? And if the answer to that is yes, then we should be asking him, how can I help? What would you have me do? A new pastor is being prepared. What will he find when he gets here? How will we have chosen to receive him? New people are coming. What will they say about the reception they receive? Let me ask the question a little bit differently. 
What would we choose to have Jesus say about what we're doing at this pivotal time? Will we have dreamt big enough to honor him? Will we have swung hard enough at the ball to honor him? Will we have prayed hard enough to move his hand? To ask him to conform us to his will? When we're called to give an account, will we return his gold with interest? Or will we have buried it in the ground? That choice is ours. God calls us to obedience and to action and to join him in this season of his church. We are not here today, sitting in this room today. This particular group of people here today are not here by accident. We're called to join God in spreading the gospel to Minatrista and to St. Bonnie and to the West Tonka area. Are we going to say yes? Are we going to say yes? I hope we're going to say yes. Will we be a church that steps up and prepares itself for what's next and do our part in the Great Commission or or not? Will we choose the cause of Christ over our personal agenda? Will we choose obedience over preferences? Will we choose trust over tradition? Or will we focus on the trivial and the temporary and the perishable? The Lord's army does not take draftees. His organization is an all-volunteer outfit. And while he can work with the weak and the small and the least and the last, he won't work with the proud. He can work with the timid, but not the unwilling. He can work with the fearful, but not the stiff-necked. If we want to be a God-honoring church, let's pray hard and let's dream big to be prepared for the next 160 years. And with that, I'm going to ask Sky to come on up, close us in song, and then I'll close us in prayer. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minatrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minatrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minatristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.